It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Not just, of course, on Talk Radio because we are now live streaming on YouTube. We are live streaming on Facebook and we are live streaming on Twitter as well. So get on it right now. Welcome to the third last Friday in which we are still members of the European Union. The FBPE Brigade are starting to agitate and vibrate as they disappear up a dead-end creek of their own making. The death rattle of Remain is now clear for all to hear. The last of the undemocratic holdouts are still asking why we're leaving. They're still uh, talking about great catastrophes to come and they're still calling leave stupid and racist will they ever actually learn anything at all coming up this morning we'll be exploring the latest news from the royal family it looks like harry and megan have let go loads of their staff from frogwall cottage and it sounds as though they had a lot more people working for them than we thought so it looks like i was right again after a rather lackluster appearance yesterday at buckingham palace will we really miss prince harry i don't think we will actually 03444991000 the sooner uh, he departs these shores the better later on we'll be asking why parliament is deliberately being awkward over the Big Ben bong bungs. If they don't want it to happen, why don't they just say so instead of coming up with endless excuses like some kind of recalcitrant teenager? Next, it'll be the dog that ate the homework, for heaven's sake. And we'll be finding out exactly how cows communicate with each other and we'll be asking them if you could say what you wanted to say, what would it actually be? 03444991000. It's also Friday, of course, and so it's time for another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards, an homage to another brilliant week of broadcasting uh, by me, of course. You're listening to me and watching me Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, it's been another terrible week for the royal family, you'd have to say. There's all sorts of talk about pictures circulating on the internet of Meghan Markle, which may or may not be uh, slightly racy. Uh, there's all sorts of talk of staff being let go uh, by the uh, the royal couple, Meghan and Harry, from Frogmore Cottage. Apparently, in addition to the six people that we thought they had working there, they've also got part-time chefs and maids and footmen. So never mind the fact that they had two uh, orderlies, never mind the fact that they had a housekeeper, the fact that they had a nanny, the fact that they had two other... Uh, kind of general dog's bodies to do their bidding. Life is so difficult for them because they have to do everything for themselves. Let's talk to Charles Ray, a man that we spoke to before uh, the Sandringham Summit uh, earlier on this week, to find out what he makes of it all. Charles, a very good morning to you. 
Good morning, mate. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Um, I must admit, even I was slightly taken aback to discover that not only did they have six permanent members of Frogmore Cottage on the staff, they also had all these other characters that would come and go uh, whenever they were there as well. And I'm assuming that if I was in the newspaper business, as, as you and I both were many years ago, I'd have some photographers down there looking out for the removal vans. Um, well, yes, except the staff that, that are there are not being made redundant. They are going back into, if you like, the royal pool. So they'll, they'll, they'll still be working for the royal Oh, family. yes, I'm, 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 not, I'm not worried about their futures. What I'm surprised no, no. about is just how many staff they actually had working for them, because all we well, hear it, is how hard their lives were. That doesn't surprise me. What did surprise me is, is this excellent exclusive by Rebecca English in the Daily Mail today, yeah. an actual fact that the staff are moving out of Frogmore, which, more importantly, is a great indication that this couple ain't coming back to this country in the short term. Right. They're going to be in Canada for a good old while. Yes, well, like the last time you and I spoke, I said to you, I think, that, you know, once they leave, I don't think they're going to be back for ages. Well, it doesn't appear. It does not appear to be uh, like that. And I'm just waiting to see when Harry is actually going to go to Canada. I mean, I suspect he's going to be here for the next few days because he has some private matters he's got to deal with. Mm. Um, plus, of course, not least of all, he's got to hear the result of, of the conversations that they've been having behind the scenes about the future of Harry and Meghan and money and all that sort of stuff. So yes. there are still many things to discuss, but. The Frogmore Cottage scenario is a real indicator that we are unlikely to see this couple in the UK uh, for the foreseeable future. I mean, they'll be away for a good few months, I suspect. Yes. I mean, I find it very odd the way that all of this has played out because you and I spoke about this sort of right at the start when he made the announcement that they were going to take this step back, the Instagram post and all of that. Since then, the furore over her claiming that she was uh, being treated like an outsider, that somehow she was frozen out, that somehow, you know, the entire royal family's racist and sexist and the Tom Bradby piece in the Sunday Times. I mean, it's been an extraordinary couple of weeks, hasn't it? Oh, it has. And let's not forget, it only has been, you know, less than a couple of weeks yeah. since they made the bombshell announcement. And look at the turmoil that has been caused. Mm. And it's, it's, we've now got this situation where they're carrying out their threat, if you like, of not inviting newspapers or journalists that they don't particularly like to events. As we've seen in Canada with Megan, she's visited two women's shelters and she's put the, well, they've put the pictures out on, on social media. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm beginning to think that we should just ignore the couple completely now and only cover a story about them if it's a genuine actual news story like this one. Yes. And forget about all the, uh, you know, the, the, good, the good stuff that they're supposed to be doing with charities and everything else. If that's what they want to do and they want to just live, live like that, then just let them. Well, it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that Meghan Markle thinks it's a great idea uh, to take about seven to eight uh, long-haul flights in the past month or so, um, including, of course, taking a seaplane from Vancouver Island to go and visit some woman's um, community group to tell them how we have to fight climate change. Well, this is... Exactly I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, this is, this, is, this is the ludicrous thing, that they've done all these sort of things... And Oh, sounds like we may have dropped the line there, uh, which comes as no great surprise because we are, of course, here at Talk Radio where this kind of thing happens all the time. And we have to somehow fight against it and pretend that it's normal. But it isn't normal. It's slightly annoying, actually. Uh, but here's an interesting factor. Uh, Rebecca English, who Charles was talking about there, is somebody that I know very well uh, who used to work with me uh, back in the old Daily Express days. She's got a great big spread uh, in, the, in the mail today, in addition to having this story about how they're going back 
um, to Canada together and they're firing all the staff out of Frogwall Cottage. She's got a, a piece saying that Harry often told me he just wanted to walk away from it all. I think we've got Charles back now. Charles? Sorry about that. I don't That's know okay. what happened. It might not be your fault. I mean, we have some so many gremlins in this building. I mean, you would think that it was not at the very heart of the communications network and an empire that should be able to spread its wings across the globe. We can't keep the phone lines up. Anyway, um, Rebecca English is a woman that you and I know very well. Um, yeah. She's written a very good piece inside yeah. as well about his yeah. kind of... Um, words to her over the years and how sort of how she's been with him for 15 years traveling around the world as you would have done as well i suppose back in the day um and the day she saw his personality change is interesting isn't it it is very interesting and one of the most uh, fascinating uh, aspects of this whole piece is that they've she and harry appear to have had a number of conversations over a lengthy period of time mm. Which all seem to have stopped as soon as Megan comes on the scene. Right. Uh, which is quite telling. I mean, Rebecca herself is not is not saying, "Oh, that's the reason why." But it's not difficult to read between the lines. No, it really isn't. And I mean, interesting that at the, that this particular time, you know, we can all sort of track back back to all the way to like I guess last summer when Megan was going to Wimbledon and demanding nobody take pictures of her. They were already setting up this Sussex Royal. This is the bit that I can't quite get my head around, if you like, because. Oh, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand how they can leave the royal family behind and yet basically trade on its name. You see, when it first came out that they, they made their announcement, you know, like a lot of people, I thought, oh, that's a bit, uh, that's a bit naughty doing all that straight away without thinking about it. Mm. But clearly, I was wrong. They have been thinking about it for a very long time and have been setting little bits of their your, their future life into 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 place. Um, so they, they've done this knowing what it was going to happen. And, and there's still these final things that have got to be sorted, that the, the Queen and Prince Charles and William have got to sort out. And this is going to run and run for a, quite a while, I think. And I think we're going to be talking again about the next steps that, that happen. I think we are. And also, I don't think they're right in assuming that they're going to be so marketable as they believe themselves to be, because, you know, she's not Michelle Obama. He is very far away from being Barack Obama. You know, they're not really that interesting. They haven't got much to say which is in any way important. Uh, all they've really got to flog is their celebrity. And if he's well, no longer part of the royal family, doesn't really talk to them, he becomes kind of outcast, then what use is he? This is one of the things that they have got to sort out. Mm. The things that they're going to do do not clash directly with what their royal life should be. Um, and, you know, we've already seen an example of apparently Harry touting his wife for, you know, a job, i.e. a voiceover for Disney. And to be fair, that is going to get money for a particular charity. But they can't just do that for charity. They've actually got to do something that puts actually money yeah. into their bank account. Also, you know as well as I do, Charles, I mean, it's like all these rock stars that do gigs for charity. It's like all these people that do stuff for children in need. They still quite often take a fee, and I would guarantee you that if you go searching through the accounts of Disney, you will find that she took some kind of fee. I don't know about that, but I, all I do know is in their royal life, whenever, whatever is raised for a charity, they don't take a fee as such. But I'm not saying you're wrong, but clearly... If they want to be self-sufficient in terms of earning money, then clearly money's going to have to go into their bank account somehow. Exactly right. And what about this from Jane, who's tweeted me, saying, Morning, Mike, why didn't Harry and Meghan decide all this at the time of their engagement? That would have saved the cost of the fancy wedding and the refurb of the Frogwall Cottage. Very good point. 
It is a good point. I mean, the refurb of Frogmore Cottage would have gone ahead in any case because it needed to be refurbished. But you're absolutely right. Why didn't Why didn't they decide beforehand? It's the sort of thing you sort of make decisions on as you're about to get married. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Uh, I mean, if Rebecca is right, he's had some disenchantment with royal life for, for a very, very long time. Yeah. Why hasn't he decided beforehand? And... It, it 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 really does, you know, smack that the recent events that they have just planned all this because they've suddenly decided that's it, let's up sticks and go. Well, my worst fear is that she's basically targeted Prince Harry to wield her way into the royal family uh, for maximum economic gain. That is my worst fear, and that they've oh. all been taken, and that they've all been taken for a massively long ride by this money-grabbing, overambitious nobody. Well, th th that is certainly a, a point of view. I mean, I'm sort of still a bit of an old romantic. Hard as I know that. Believe. It's one of the reasons and I love I, you so I, much, Charles. I, I, uh, I, 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 w I thought right at the start that this was a, a, a real nice love job and everything else, and that it was great that Harry had brought this woman in. Um, and she was, she was a breath of fresh air, and they were doing so well as members of the royal family and had a great deal to contribute as members of the royal family. Yeah. I still don't understand what it is that they actually want to do at the end of the day. Do they, or does she, want to go back to Los Angeles, something which she said she won't do while Donald Trump is, is president? Um, so yeah, I mean, how, how absolutely and utterly self-absorbed is that statement? Uh, yeah, lots of people don't like Donald Trump, but, you know... Uh, you know, I'm not going to go to America anymore because I don't like Robert De Niro very much because he keeps coming out with rubbish. So I'm never <laughs> going to go there. So I'm never going to go there and visit my mother or my sister. I mean, really? No, no, it's... It, it, you know, this is a woman who, you know, snubbed Trump, if you like, when he, had, when he came over here and she stayed away from that uh, royal dinner that was thrown for him. Um, that was, that's, a bit, that's a bit snobbish thing to do, to Pathetic. be perfectly honest. Pathetic. Um, and also not in keeping with uh, what the Queen would call your royal duty. No, no, exactly. And, you know, this is the thing that I don't think she actually understands. Along with the, the title, the trappings and everything else, in return, there is duty. Mm. Um, and I, I just I keep on asking this question, but I'm asking myself this, is what is it with American women who cannot get on with the royal family? We had it with <laughs> Wallace Simpson, and now we're having it with Meghan Markle. Although, funnily enough, I had Anna Pasternak on yesterday. She was, she's written a new book about Wallace Simpson, and she declares her to be some, somewhat misunderstood, that actually it was, it was, it was the king uh, who sort of fell for her, and the king who basically believed in, in abdication so much that she, she became the most hated woman in the world, you know? So he actually did it to her. Uh, well, he, he gave up the throne for her, yeah. but I mean, uh, he, he, he fought tooth and nail to try to keep both, i.e. being king and being, you know, and have, having her as the queen. And in, those, and in those days, it was a different set of circumstances and everything else. It just wasn't going to happen. I don't think, you know, that, the, that, that Edward was the, the, the patsy that Anna is making out to be. Yeah, I know. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? I feel, I mean, I, I, I'm reluctant to feel sorry for Harry, but I can't help thinking it's all going to end in tears and that he's going to have to come back after this terrible experience that he's had um, and kind of make it up to everybody. Well, no, that is, absolutely. I mean, there's lots of people, you know, taking bets out already as just how long this marriage is going to last mm. now. Now, you see, the, the, the point of all this is that she has fallen foul of her father. OK, he made mistakes, but she's not talked to him for two years. Uh, she's fallen foul of the Markle, the rest of the Markle family, which is not difficult because they are a bit strange in any case. But she's now brought Harry away from 
you know, the royal family, which is not going to go down well in this country. And one thing is she's got this court action against the, the Mail on Sunday about for publishing this letter. We're going to have the ridiculous situation of her facing her father in court mm. and for Harry, for the very first time, to actually meet his father-in-law, who he's never met. I know. Well, this it's is the thing. I mean, if she does... If, and also, this is what I was saying before, I think the real reason she doesn't want to move back to L.A. is people would say, why don't you go and see your dad? You know, because he's only down the road in Mexico. It's a short hop. Uh, you can get there by seaplane if you wish. Uh, you can go there by Greta Thunderbird's boat if you want. But, you know, you can get there because you're close enough to him. But I think that she knows that she's in a bad place with him. And I think they also know that they're in a very bad place now uh, with, with these lawsuits against newspapers because the newspapers are just going to go for them big time. Oh, it, it, it's going to be the biggest mistake of her life if she tries to take on the Mail on Sunday. I mean, having looked at their, their evidence, you know, um, uh, uh, they've, got, they've got everything copper bottom. You see, the problem with Meghan is, it's, from what I'm beginning to believe, is that she has used people in specific areas of her life, little boxes, that that little box is fine, I've done that, and they, I, that enables me to move on to the next mm. little box, and the next little box. Yeah. And this is, this is how she's, she's, you know, getting on in her life. And we and, all know people like that. Eventually they run out of boxes. Well, they do eventually run out of boxes, and it all comes crashing down, mm. unfortunately. I mean, I don't want to see the couple split up. I mean, if they want to go and live their own life in Canada or Los Angeles, you know, fair enough. It's not going to be that big a loss to the royal family, no. to be perfectly honest. No, I mean, um, I watched his, his performance yesterday, and to be honest, I couldn't care less whether he stays or goes now. I mean, I didn't think it was particularly inspiring. He had an opportunity to say something interesting. He said nothing interesting at all. No. Uh, basically, he's a plank to me. But I've said to you before... Harry was always seen as a hero in this country for a, a variety of reasons. And I said to you that the thin line between hero and zero is very thin indeed. Yes. And I'm afraid Harry has starting to cross over that well, thin line. Well, he is. And also, quite significantly, I think this is done because the timing of everything is always interesting to me. Prince Andrew's entitlement to taxpayer-funded protection is now being reassessed because he's taken a step back. That tells me that they're going to say the same thing to Harry and Meghan. Well, yes, that is something that's that's a, a big thing that needs to be sorted out. Who, in actual fact, is going to pay for the, 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 the security? I mean, we're hearing from Canada that they've done a little poll that the Canadians, you know, most of the Canadians, don't want to pay for Harry and Meghan, uh, you know, while they're on their soil. But you can't, it's going to cause such a controversy if we, the UK, still have to fund their protection. Because there is a, a question that says, you want to be self-funding and everything else, well, you have to pay for your own protection if the Canadians won't pay for it, because we ain't paying for it. Yeah. I mean, I can't stop laughing, really, at this phrase. We've got 18 million quid between us, possibly more, possibly more. We'd like to soon, soon we'd like to be financially independent. <laughs> Well, they are. Yes, I know. You know what I mean? the, whole, the whole thing is the whole thing is ludicrous. But you see, if you if you're going through security and you're having to pay a million pound a year, well, that's giving you 30 years in effect because they've got about 30 million between between the pair of them. So they will need to boost the bank balance. And it's the big question is how are you going to do it? Are you going to do after dinner speaking? Uh, I mean, there's various trademarks that they've they've lodged with um, you, you know on the internet and everything else. 
even the ludicrous thing of a newspaper. Mm. What the hell do they know about running a newspaper? Oh, God. Well, what the hell do they know about running anything would be my point. Charles, thank you very much indeed. Charles Ray, uh, former royal correspondent of The Sun, uh, a man who still keeps his hand in, still talks to people, as we all do uh, at per, uh, various points about people in the royal family. It's going from bad to worse. I said it would. It's not over yet. I also said that. I also said that when Prince Harry leaves this country, I don't think we're going to see him for a very long time. And I think that's looking like it's going to be proved right as well. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Join the merry throng watching us on YouTube. Join in the conversation on the YouTube feed as well. Uh, we'll read your tweets out at Talk Radio at IROMG and call us as well. We want to hear from you. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Don't forget, of course, we are live streaming on YouTube, we are live streaming on Facebook, and we are live streaming on Twitter as well. So you can now watch us uh, in addition to listening to us, which is a great uh, surprise for lots of people. Many of you like to comment on the ties that I wear, uh, the shirt combinations that I have, uh, the jackets as well, my hair. I was going to get my hair cut yesterday, but I couldn't be bothered in the end, so I'll have to do it next week. Uh, of course, you'll no doubt comment on that as well. Lots of you have got lots to say about all sorts of things, including uh, greenhouse gas gases and of course this climate change row that British Airways is having with which magazine. Many of you uh, have got some very interesting information for us as well. I've got some uh, quite interesting stuff here about the whole Iberia thing. Lord Artie says this, I was involved with the British Airways Iberia non-merger. BA bought Iberia and owned 51% of them. IAG was set up as a holding company and its HQ is at London Heathrow on the Bath Road. Since then IAG have bought other airlines including Vueling, uh, which is where Alex Cruz now in CEO uh, of BA. Yeah, Alex Cruz, I think, I'm pretty sure is a Spaniard uh, who's in charge of British Airways. That's why I was under the impression that Iberia had actually bought BA, but if it's the other way around, then so be it. But they're certainly a much bigger organisation and a much less British-based organisation, I think, because there's also a big presence of management, I believe, in Spain too. So, nothing, not, not that that makes any difference, but what I'm saying is, is it's no longer British Airways as it used to be, and it's no longer the world's favourite airline. It's certainly not Witch's favourite airline. They've got a real bee in their bonnet about it. 0344 Let's talk to Jason Salisbury, though, on a completely different subject, because this one, you might say, is my favourite story of the week. Apparently, uh, it turns out that cows talk to each other, right? They chat to each other in their own distinct voices. Now, if you think that all cows moo in the same way, you'd be entirely wrong. And Jason uh, is, of course, a dairy farmer at Suffolk Farmhouse Cheese. So let's see what he makes of it all. Jason, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. How's things today? Okay? Yeah, very well indeed. Now, I'm quite fascinated by cows, you'll be pleased to know, and I'm very interested in the different sounds that they make because they do all moo. I've always noticed that they moo differently anyway. Um, this story, obviously, is, is, is made up for, for great headlines, and have we got moos for you, is what it says in the sun, <laughs> rather amusingly. Um, it's, but it talks about how you can gauge their mood, whether they're happy or sad, by how they, how they sound. Yeah, you certainly can. You can... Um... You can tell whether the cow is um, hungry, whether she's thirsty, whether she's in season. Um, when they get out, you know, when they're running off down the road, they, they all move to each other and they all tell each other, you know, um, this way. she's got out, so she's, so she's off, you know, and, right. and everybody tells each other. So, yeah, it is, it is actually true. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know why anybody would be particularly surprised by this because, you know, in the same way that dogs bark and cats meow, 
They yeah. all have yeah. a series of different noises that they make at various different points, right? They certainly do, and it's um, it, it's it's quite strange that if you take to, um, some cattle to a, a county show, and you'll get animals from all over the the region, um, they will um, you, you will hear different noises from different cows and from different areas and different breeds as well. I mean, Yoda, our Hereford bull, is uh, whenever he sees a cow in season, he'll be standing at the gate with a very high pitched, almost like a calling like a donkey is that a kind of come hither type for noise yeah yeah and when and when you put the cow in with him you know he's um you know he goes down a few octaves and he's nuzzling away right yeah <laughs> brilliant and i mean you would expect i suppose this to be the case but i mean how complex are the communications in the sense of is it just is it a one sort of fact communicate if you like yeah i don't know it's um they they have a like like any animal they all have different vocal ranges and they make different noises and different lengths of noises and so forth but um, it's it, it varies from animal to animal and herd to herd and species to species. Yes, and do you recognise, for example, individual moves? You know, if you oh, were to yeah, walk out yeah, in yeah. the morning and you can, can you tell which cow's saying what? <laughs> well, they don't say a lot. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> they don't. They don't all like have a have a chat to each other in a barn. It's you know. But you can. Tell well, I, I disagree um, with that because I've heard them. I mean, I, if I have, have, have not in very many places, but if I've yeah, seen yeah. a collection of cows together inside a milking shed, for example, yeah. they're quite often yeah. making quite a lot of noise at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, you you won't go into a barn and if there's a hundred cows in a barn, you won't all hundred won't be all chatting to each other at the weather, you know. <laughs> so they, but you might get two or three. They're walking past and there might be a bit of a groan or a grunt or, you know, or one's nuzzling up against another one. And because that's what they do, you know, they they all lie, um, they all lie down and they all nuzzle into each other and um, make different sort of uh, nuzzling noises, if you know what I mean. Yes. And. Um, but, you know, if they're hungry, you know, they'll stand at the gate and shout. If there's something wrong with the water, you know, if the water tank is run dry, they'll be standing at the gate shouting. And it's, it won't be just one or two then. It'll be the whole herd. They'll be all shouting at you. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I would have said, of course, there's only an easy, well, easy way to find out whether cows are happy or sad. Um, if yeah. they're remaining cows, they'll be sad and angry. And if they're uh, leavers, they'll be very happy. <laughs> um, I'm not getting into that today, <laughs> You see, you could be the beginning of something massive. How's the cheese business anyway, now that uh, we can get on to the more important aspects of life? Yeah, it's, it's going well, actually. We, um, we had a very, very good run up to Christmas because everybody wants uh, local cheese yes. running up to Christmas. And uh, that carries us through sort of January, February time when everyone's on diets and got credit card bills to pay. Yes. Um, the, the cheese or the local cheese is the last thing people tend to buy. So, um, but things are ticking over quite nicely, and um, you know it's it's going particularly well at the moment. So That's good. You're not getting you're not problem. getting attacked by the vegan brigade or anything. Um, no, we. I'm always open to, to speaking to vegans and and speaking to animal rights activists, and we we often have. Um, chats about it. In fact, just before Christmas, we had some, a family came down here and they wanted to, to look at the cows and the welfare and see exactly what we did. And uh, they were very happy with everything. In fact, they went away with some cheese. So, um, you know, they, 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 
they're cheese lovers and they just wanted some from yeah. a, a high welfare farm like ours. Right. Well, but we're quite lucky, really. Yeah, that's brilliant. Jason, thank you very much indeed. Jason Salisbury, dairy farmer at Suffolk Farmhouse Cheeses, there telling us about how uh, he knows that cows communicate with each other. I mean, it shouldn't really be that surprising to anybody. The findings have come from Australian researchers who recorded the moves of 18 Holstein Friesian heifers, basically. Vocal analysis showed the moo of any cow was recognisable, whether happy or sad. And as we heard from Jason there, the farmer, he certainly can identify individual cows and the noises that they make. Well, of course you can. I mean, I think I can tell the difference between a happy cow uh, and um, a sad cow, don't you? 0344 499 1000. We've got lots to tell you about, more to do as well. I've got a great tweet here from uh, Storm in Norman who's shown me um, a picture of a news story from the BBC in which it says passenger was hurt when wave smashes through the train window. This was down in Dawlish. You know that bit of the line that's always getting washed away? It turns out that uh, a wave came over during the storm hit one of the trains, smashed through the window, and passengers uh, were injured. It has, and he says uh, they've talked endlessly about rerouting the train away from the sea, but nothing ever comes of it. Well, I mean, the trains are another story altogether. I've got so many horror stories on travelling on trains uh, that you could be, I could I could keep you busy for about four hours. Uh, but we might talk about that sometime next week uh, when we've got a bit more time. Because coming up in the next hour, uh, we're going to be talking about number 10, uh, the Big Ben bong scenario, because, of course, it's now looking less and less likely that Big Ben will, in fact, bong, uh, because it seems as though Parliament just doesn't want them to do it. Um, and why don't they just say that instead of coming up with these ridiculous excuses? 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now we spoke to Mark Francois earlier on in the uh, in the week when he was uh, trying to raise the money, uh, which was said to be around about five hundred thousand pounds required to ring the bell. One of the things he told us, of course, was that basically they had removed the clangor from Big Ben after New Year's Eve celebrations, and they'd also removed the floor from up, to, up at the top of the bell tower. So they'd have to put those things back in in order to make everything happen. It then turns out uh, that the parliamentary body, which is supposed to grant permission for all of this stuff to happen, decided to say, well, actually, do you know what? Even if you do raise enough money, you won't be able to spend it uh, because that's not allowed. Why don't they just say, look, you can't do it. It's not going to happen under any circumstances, no matter what, because we don't want you to. 
It's really that simple, isn't it? And I much prefer the idea of Nigel Farage and Richard Tice turning up in Parliament Square with a sort of inflatable version of Big Ben uh, and somebody just playing some recording of it. Let's talk to John Rental and see if he's in favour of any of this madness. John, a very good afternoon to you. I mean, Hello possibly the longest-running non-story of all time, this, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is ridiculous. I completely agree. For uh, one of the rare times in my life with, uh, with Dan Hannan, the yes. uh, Conservative soon to be not any longer an MEP right. um, who said the only thing he cared less about than the uh, than Meghan and Harry was, uh, was, <laughs> was, was Big Ben bonging on the 31st of January. I mean, so I do agree with that. But, I mean, there is a, there is a but, which is that, you know, we were able to ring uh, Big Ben on, uh, on New Year's Eve. Yes. Uh, and I just, I, I really cannot believe that we can't do it again for the 31st of January. And I think the only reason uh, for, for not doing it is, is a Remainer conspiracy yes. by the... Uh, no, I listen, uh, I, there's I, absolutely I, no there's no doubt about that, but I wish they would just admit to it instead of coming out with... <laughs> as I said at the top of the show this morning, I said it's a bit like, you know, next we're going to get the dog ate my homework or, you know, we've lost the ladder. Anything to stop it from happening. And it's <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, to yes. now say, after sort of coming out with this ludicrous sum, so first of all, they remove the floor in the clangor, so that makes yeah. it difficult. They then say it's going to cost more money than, than you've got, so then you can't... Do it. Yeah. When they start to raise the, the money, they then say, oh, no, you can't spend the money, do it. You know, it's ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, but uh, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's a, it, it, it matters even less than uh, Rebecca Long-Bailey's hyphen. Yes. Rebecca Long-Bailey's hyphen, which is one of the many things about Rebecca Long-Bailey, uh, which is currently now in question. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is completely trivial, except it's not totally trivial because, you know, you would have thought someone who wants to be prime minister uh, would have a consistent story to tell on, on how their name should be spelled. I mean, the fact that her office said it didn't have a hyphen and then she went on television the next day and said it did. <laughs> uh, just, you know, I mean, it shouldn't matter. But, I mean, these, I mean, if you can't get the details right, then why should people trust you on the big things? Well, I agree. No, I, th I think that's exactly the point, because if you can't, I mean, if you're somebody um, who cannot actually work out the, the policy that you were punting uh, a month ago was so awful that you were going to get slaughtered, you now want us yeah. to believe that your new policy is going to be any better as well. Uh, yeah. I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to con draw my own conclusions there. Well, quite. Quite, but uh, I mean, still, Rebecca Long Bailey may may actually win the contest. Who knows? Well, it looks it looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, after the early no. kind of uh, the uh, the early sprint uh, from Keir Starmer or Sir Keir Starmer, um, he would appear to have been kiboshed by momentum. No, no, I don't. I, don't I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, I think it, you know it's completely predictable that momentum would end, would would support uh, Long Bailey, but. Um, yeah, but how did he go from being sort of thirty points ahead to suddenly being behind? Well, no, because that was a different. It was a different poll done by Labour List, which was a poll a poll of Labour List readers who are more engaged and 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 definitely more uh, Corbynite than yeah. than the, than the Labour Party membership generally. I mean, YouGov the YouGov poll was carried out between the twentieth and thirtieth of December. Uh, and put Keir Starmer well ahead. I mean, not. I mean, you know, it was sort of sixty forty in the in the runoff. Um, but I mean, I think YouGov have a very good record of uh, of predicting uh, Labour leadership elections, uh, and and they have a good a good panel of Labour members. I mean, yeah, obviously it could go a bit uh, away from Keir Starmer as the campaign gears up and as new members join. But I mean, I think you know there'll be a lot of uh, people joining the Labour Party who are. 
the, the people who've left who've left the Labour Party because they didn't like Jeremy Corbyn now rejoining to make sure that uh, that Rebecca Long Bailey doesn't uh, doesn't succeed him. Right. And if if she does, I think they'll be off again. Yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? Because she's going to be a carbon copy of him, basically. No, no, no. I think that's completely that's very unfair. I mean, Rebecca Long Bailey is completely different from from Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, well, she's start, told she's, well, she's told me in the past that she thinks that he's right about everything. No, no, she doesn't. She's just not as obsessed with. As, as he is with anti-American imp- um, imperialism, as they call it. I mean, all that well, no, maybe not. No, she's not. She's IRA not going to. No, she's not going to be hanging around with Hezbollah. But what she will yeah. do is have his same domestic policies that were in the Labour manifesto. Yeah, but they're not. I mean, that's not. I mean, in a way, that's not as bad. I mean, that's. You know, well, you, you might say that. <laughs> I mean, I'm off. No, if they ever get in. I don't agree. I don't agree with them. I think national. I mean, this sort. Of, religious faith in nationalising the railways is just utterly bizarre. I know. Uh, but um, it's not the same as being obsessed with Venezuela and... Uh, no, and, no, and I take, I take your point. IRA. No, I take and your I point, think, and that's correct, yeah. She's not She's not some kind of boneheaded Marxist throwback to 1981 uh, in the way that, uh, that, that Jeremy Corbyn is. I mean, she's much more of a sort of mainstream uh, naive lefty, and uh, you know, there's... there's, there's you need a bit of that in the in the, in the Labour Party mix. You do. And, I mean, she does have a bit of a sense of humour, which also marks her yeah. very differently from him. Because I, when I was interviewing her just before the election, I actually made her laugh, which, which I didn't do uh, with <laughs> old Laura Pidcock, it has to be said, who branded no. me uh, a purveyor of right-wing nonsense. Yeah, no, I mean, when, when Rebecca Long-Bailey stood in for Jeremy Corbyn at PMQs, yeah. uh, I thought she did quite well. You yeah. know, she, she did have a sense of humour, and she, uh, she, she spoke... Uh, she Reasonably well. I mean, mm. her problem is that she's dreadfully inexperienced. Yes. That did that has shown in in her. Well, I mean, not just the the silly hyphen uh, controversy, but I mean, it's, it has shown in in the fact that she gave. You know, she answered that stupid question about how many points out of ten would you give yes. Jeremy Corbyn, and said ten out of ten. Well, I mean, <laughs> That's well, what I mean. Any experienced politician would recognise a bear trap when they see it. Would yeah. say, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not playing, I'm not playing silly games. This isn't a, you know, this isn't an ice skating competition. This is a serious competition. Yeah, or you could. You know, there's any number of things you could have said, couldn't you? You could have said, well, I mean, he clearly lost the election, so why would yeah. you ask how many points he should get out of ten? He lost. It doesn't <laughs> matter. You know. Exactly. But she's also been given some grief this week about her husband, hasn't she? Because apparently he's very wealthy, we are told. Um, and uh, Guido, I saw, was quizzing her about, uh, or quizzing her office about whether he was involved in selling some chemical or other, which I've no idea what it is. That's and right. I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's hugely rich. I think he's. Yeah, he's got a normal, a normal job. But well, I mean, not know, as rich as Jeremy Corbyn. But, but yeah, well, exactly. But also, the thing is, he doesn't work in in the public sector or for a trade union or a charity or something, which is the only safe thing to do if you're yeah. married to a to a Labour politician, and make, and especially you know some sort of uh, left so-called left-wing anti-capitalist one yes. does make it a bit a, a bit tricky. But she's also, um, I think, heading for trouble on her Roman Catholicism, which I think is is terribly unfair because mm. I mean I'm not not anti-Catholic in any way. I mean, obviously, you know, Tony Blair my my hero was, uh, was, was, he was a sort of crypto Catholic. He, he was. was. Catholic while he was Prime Minister. Went and saw the Pope and everything, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of left wing Catholicism about, but she has, Rebecca Long Bailey, she has said things about abortion which are going to get her into trouble with, uh, mm. 
um, with with the left of the Labour Party. Yes, no, I dare say. It's going to be fascinating to watch. John, thanks very much indeed. John Rental, the Chief Political Commentator at The Independent, uh, who says that Rebecca Long-Bailey is not just a female version of Jeremy Corbyn. Well, at least that's one piece of good news, I suppose, but I don't think she's far enough removed from his policies to make it any easier for the Labour Party to ever get elected again. That would be my view. Let's talk to a man uh, who was elected not that long ago to serve the public uh, over in Brussels uh, as an MEP. Uh, he is, of course, Martin Daubney, a good friend of this show, member of the Brexit Party, uh, finally serving his last few days, I guess, as a, as a public servant. Martin, very good afternoon to you. Hello, Mike. Great to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, very, very good to talk to you. I've been very much enjoying your uh, tweets from Brussels. I mean, I think my favourite was the, uh, uh, the the duty-free catalogue, which you put out yeah. a few a few days back, about all of these amazing sort of deals you could get on cigarettes for two quid and brandy and, and, and champagne. You'll be sorry to leave all that behind, I dare say. I will not. You know, the funny thing is, two weeks today, I will rattle my last. I'll be made redundant, and I've never been happier to lose a job in my <laughs> life. You know, from the very start, Mike, we were turkeys voting for Christmas. We shouldn't even have been elected. The election shouldn't happen. But finally, we're bringing home the Brexit. Yeah, I mean, no question at all, uh, the role that you guys played in all of this uh, should never be forgotten, should be very much uh, rewarded in some way, shape or form. I'm not quite sure how. Um, and I think that everybody who wants uh, Britain out of the European Union owes you guys a great deal of thanks, not just Nigel Farage, who, who was obviously the, the, the main protagonist, but, but all of you really, because I think we all learned a lot about the way the European Union operates because of you being there. Yeah, I mean, look, right from the start, you know, we, we created waves, didn't we? On the first day, we turned our back on the, on the European yep. the EU national anthem, which obviously isn't, they don't deserve one. They're not a nation. They don't deserve an anthem. Um, and then on our last day, we defied the European Union, imposing a flag ban. Because, you know, since the very beginning, Nigel Farage has had a Union Jack on his desk. Yeah. And over Christmas, they decided to change that rule without telling us or notifying us or giving us any explanation as to why. And so yesterday in Strasbourg, we had meetings with Eurosceptic friends across Europe, uh, from Poland, from Germany, from France, from Italy, from Denmark, and we all pulled our flags out and we whacked them on the desks together at the same moment. Huge standing ovation, a huge show of patriotism, uh, which, of course, went down like a cup of cold yeah. And, they, they and of course, you know, when you do oh. things, and a, a bit like, I mean, I was having this conversation with John Rental, and, and I have to say, you know, yes, I understand that, uh, that, that the Parliament is uh, still fighting this Remain battle, and that's the reason why the yeah. Big Ben story is not probably going to happen. Yeah. But, it, but again, to me, that's actually helpful, because it shows us where these people are, it shows us what they think, it shows us that they have no respect for, for the common uh, people of this country. And as you yeah. um, have quite rightly done, I mean, anything that you do like that... Over in Strasbourg, the Remainers all say, oh, look how petty they are. But they don't actually criticise the European Union itself for taking the flags away in the first place. Yeah, I mean, the act of pettiness is banning flags. I yeah. mean, why would you choose to do that? Right. Obviously, it calls offence. And then when we respond by saying, well, that's not acceptable, we're proud of our flags. And, no, I'm, I'm really happy that the French are proud of their flag. The French flag, incidentally, Mike, is protected under law. And yet the EU have decided to overturn that mm. in Strasbourg, which, of course, is in France. So they're basically, <laughs> what this is about is the fact they believe that their rules trump the nation rules. And, of course, they don't because they're unelected. So actually, it might seem like a small, petty thing. But it's very, very significant of what they think they are a superior political 
entity, and of course they are not. No, quite. And what's your sense of the future for the European Union? Because obviously there are those of us who see uh, a great deal of, of problems mm. ahead for them, because one, they're losing one of their biggest contributors financially. We are now going to be in a, uh, in yep. a sort of adversarial relationship with them in the sense that we'll be competing yep. for business with companies that want to come and operate out of Britain instead of out of the EU. And there's other countries, as you said, Poland perhaps, and certainly Italy and maybe Hungary, who are not that keen on it either. No, I mean, there's a huge conversation about who's going to next, going to be next. You know, we went to a fascinating meeting in Strasbourg on Tuesday uh, with the Danish no movement. So Denmark are watching us, you know, the Germans are watching us. Make no mistake, you know, this has been painted as a project fear, a disaster. We will be doomed economically, we'll be a sinking ship. But you watch, you know, Mike, when we turn this around and we become an independent, sovereign nation and we're trading with the rest of the world unshackled, and we start booming and soaring, the rest of Europe are going to look at that and think, wow, here's some evidence that this can work. We can go outside of the European Union. I think we're the first domino. I think others are going to fall. The Danish are really hot on this. The Germans are waiting for Merkel to go. Then the Greens will get in. The Greens will screw it all up. And then the German, the AFD, I think, will be insurgent. It's a fascinating time ahead. It and really is. And what, and what are you up to for the next two weeks? Because presumably at some point you've got to ratify the Brexit withdrawal bill or something, haven't you? Yeah, so uh, we're over there in Brussels next week doing committees, which are pointless echo chambers and talking shops. Nevertheless, we like to make mischief. And then, of course, on the either on the evening of the 29th or the morning of the 30th um, of January, we will vote. All MEPs will vote on the withdrawal agreement. Now, we're expecting that to go through. There could be a miracle. It could be blocked. And we, we might not be leaving on the 31st of January. I don't think that's going to happen, although I do suspect that the Liberal Democrats, the Labour Party and the Greens from UK will vote against this. They'll be desperately trying to cling on to the gravy train you know, for, till the last minute. Mm. And when that passes, we are out. We'll be walking out of Parliament on the 31st. We'll be coming to, to Parliament Square to have a huge party. Please, all of your listeners, come down to Parliament Square um, 9 o'clock on, on Friday, the 31st of January. We're having a massive party and we intend to pop a few corks. Yes, I think you'll be absolutely right to do so. And how about your taste of politics? Well, has, has, it, has it changed you? Has it made you want to continue with this kind of uh, career or do you want to go back into sort of more media-related stuff? Well, I think a lot of us have um, seen it for what it is. And the funny thing is uh, there aren't enough working-class, ordinary people involved mm. in politics. I've been saying this for years. You know, never mind Brexit. I'm talking about domestically... Um, certainly, I think, you know, more and more ordinary, relatable voices are required. I kind of have got a taste for it, but who'd have me? What party <laughs> would invite me? Well, now, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, you could do worse than join Boris's lot because at least they're now uh, they're in a position to do something and they're in a position to, to make something uh, happen in this country and get rid of this ridiculous kind of, you know, namby-pamby state that we seem to have created where everybody's frightened of saying anything to each other yeah. in case they're offended and everyone's a racist, you know? It's an interesting time because, you know, uh, where I stood in Ashfield in Nottinghamshire, um, a conservative guy, Lee Anderson, has become a great friend of mine. He won. Um, he was a former Labour guy. I'm a coal miners lad. I was Labour all my life. You know, what you're talking earlier about Long Bailey being the leader of the Labour Party. Yeah. What a joke. I know. You know these, these, these people hate Britain. They don't care about our standing internationally. They just want us to be a socialist super state. If Long Bailey gets in, the Tories will be doing a fandango. Be ten years of Tory power if, if that if that fool gets in. I just don't think they can see that they're, they're they're writing their own death warrant. But they, I yeah. think people are people are very fluid now, and I think Brexit has completely reset 
you know, where we stand. You know, now it's not left or right, it's not red or blue. It's like where do you stand on the great Brexit debate? And this will be, I think this will, this, this legacy will go on for for a generation. It won't be forgotten overnight. No, I don't and, think so. And, and the Remain establishment that tries to deny still, you know, yesterday in, in Parliament in Strasbourg, the Labour MEPs, Liberal Democrat MEPs are still maintaining. Guy Verhofstadt is in London today, still maintaining Brexit will be reversed. It's like an illness, Mike. I know. It really is. It really is. Well, listen, Martin, great to talk to you. As they say in America, thank you for your service. You've done a brilliant job. And the good news is, right, Graham from Bushy has sent this message to you. He says, I think Martin Dawley might have served as an MEP for longer than Joe Swinson served as the leader of the Lib Dems. <laughs> So there you have it. Uh, Martin Daubney, thank you very much indeed. Outgoing Brexit Party MEP, providing, uh, of course, that it all goes as planned, which it should do, uh, by January the 31st. And the party kicks off in Parliament Square at around about 9 o'clock on Friday night, January the 31st. Uh, we'll all be there, I'm sure, and so will you. This is Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.33, and it is time... For this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. And here we are once more, Friday, January the 17th, just two weeks away from leaving the European Union. And it's time for the Perrier Awards in the company uh, today for the first time live streamed on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter, Con Mendez, part-time producer. Hello, Welcome. Yes, how are you, Mike? Very you well. Right? Nice to see you this week. Nice Glad you finally you came too. back from your holiday in Australia. Yeah, it was lovely there. Which started the year before this and then ended the year after. Yeah, absolutely. Such a I long holiday. New Year's there, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, that's it, pretty much. Lovely. Good to be back. Thank you. Thanks. Shall we begin? Yeah, why not? Well, welcome to the Perry Awards. Thank you. This Thanks is for where dressing we go up, back. by the way. That's all right. Uh, this is where we go back over the past <laughs> week of the so-called Independent so Republic called. of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments. Mm. Yes, I'm back to hope to host the <laughs> most important awards in radio. Yes. We may have been overlooked by the Radio Academy's panel of lefty no, I liberal... No, I was told not to bother entering Radio it. industry snowflake yeah. judges. I was told not to bother entering it on the grounds that I'm too right-wing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was a judge in that. Um, Good. But no, not that, that explains a lot. Of, uh, but you can be guaranteed that every Friday we don't need no radio professionals to hand us pointless certificates when we can do that ourselves. So let's begin. Why does the live stream show an empty chair at the moment? Does it? Yeah. I've been empty chair. Is Kay Burley oh, in brilliant. charge of it? That's I don't fantastic. know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just gone. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, as is tradition, Mike, uh, you win the first pair. Thank you very much. Uh, it's for shock of the week. Mm. We've had five people arrested by the police, no less. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have been a citizen's arrest, you yeah, know, I guess possibly. So. But, yeah. I'm just glad to know they're still arresting people, to be honest. <laughs> um, so, a nice short one there. Uh, the much-coveted best start to an interview goes to you, Mike, mm. and Katie Grant, the consumer affairs correspondent at the iPaper. So let's talk to Katie and find out what the story is. Katie, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Hey. Go um... oh, on, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess um, when people say hello and then stop, you assume that they want you to say something else. Yeah. Mm. Um, Call of Rudy in Exeter uh, wins the Perrier for wrong namer of the week. Okay. I was going to say about sort of like Meghan Merkel, really, you know. Meghan Merkel. Meghan Merkel. Yeah, he said it a couple of times, actually. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Mm. 
Is it like Angela Merkel? Yeah, it's like two of the most famous people in the world. Yeah, Meghan Markle. Never mind. Angela Merkel, Angela Markle. Yeah. Uh, imagine if she married Prince Harry. Never mind. Yeah, uh, but... maybe they'd be better off. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still within the EU. Uh, back to you now, Mike. Yes. Uh, you win the Perrier for Stingiest Person of the Week. They can all chip in. Yeah, absolutely. They prove us all wrong, can't they? What a brilliant idea. I would pledge money to you publicly, but I prefer to do these things in private, so we should discuss it off the air. Very true, that. And I don't like boasting. I have discussed it. Yes, I have. Yes. Uh, how much did you? Put I can't through? tell you. No. Because obviously, if I'm not going to say it on air, I'm not going to say it now. Because we are on air. We are. It's true. Yeah. Um, would That's you tell me off air? I might do. Okay. Cool. I'll tell everyone next week. Okay. Uh, yes, <laughs> that was a call with the so-called Bye. right honourable Mark Francois MP, who, having been on the show once, has managed to gather quite the haul of Perrier awards mm. this week. Firstly, he wins the Perrier for Risk Taker of the Week. Now, uh, but the risk of mentioning your competitors, Nick Ferrari. Mm. Well, it's he... not really a risk, is it? You've just done it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I mean, you can't really risk naming other presenters, can no, you? No, and I then mean, just it's not, do it. It's not really a risk. No, no, yeah. I mean, you can say at the risk of offending you, because I'm going to mm. name other, you know. I think maybe that's what he meant, but yes. he just didn't think it through. No, he didn't. Um, he also won uh, the best impression of the week. What jobs were from the local council was going to walk in with a clipboard at ten past eleven and say, I'm terribly sorry, it's last orders. I insist that you close this pub even though we're leaving the European Union. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. It was like an old sitcom voice, that, wasn't it? It was, but when that does happen, that person always does have that voice. That's it's undeniable. True. Absolutely. And finally, uh, for Marc Francois, uh, Mike, it's normally you asking the questions mm. on the show, but he won the question of the week. Look, I- I'm not an engineer, Mike, but how long does it take to re to attach a clapper to a bell. I've no idea. No. <laughs> and you know what? We didn't get one call no. telling us. Well, because it's a very specialised area. <laughs> yeah, I know. You we know. should have got someone on. We should have booked someone. I'm not even sure clang is the right word, to be honest. It's a hammer, isn't it? Uh, on a bell. You, you're not asking me. <laughs> you're not an engineer you're not asking either. the right person. I can tell. No. We haven't I got can, the engineers here. I can only As tell you, you one, tell when the one area working. of the bell, and I'll yeah. get in trouble if I say yeah, that. don't go there. Uh, back to you again, Mike. Yeah. Uh, this week you win the Perrier for the most unlikely sentence to ever fall out of your mouth. Put this uh, scenario to you, Di. Forgive me for interrupting you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what came over <laughs> yeah, me there. We were, Sorry. We Suddenly I'm covered with politeness, right. yeah. I, think I don't think I'd had enough sleep. <laughs> um, Daniel, in Epson now, during this health faddy January, yes. Danny has won himself the Perrier for Dietitian of the Week. Do you know what? I've not had a drink for a week. Really? We've been healthy, we've been healthy eating, and I've not been smoking. And do you know what? I, I, I don't feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was tremendous. He also seems to be eating an awful lot and then claiming he's lost weight. Yeah. I don't know how that works. It's sort of like, you know, those honest parenting sort yes. of blogs. It's like honest dieting, right. I think, is, yeah. <laughs> he's found a niche there. He has. Uh, Perrier, for close call of the week, goes to Justice Minister Chris Philp, MP, for pricking mine and the rest of the control is, uh, control rooms is up. I hope the kind of rancour that's, that's, in, that's infected this debate both domestically in the last two or three years, but also the kind of rancour between the UK and the European mm. Union. <laughs> a lot of rancour. Yeah, no, I won't name names. No. Uh, misspeak of the week now. Thank God Chris Philp didn't win that. Uh, we're not sure if Philip in Swansea intentionally did this or not. 
no matter where, whatever the, whatever bell there is, everyone should ring out. It's yes. not about leaving the European Union. The European Union. Uh, is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. I Do you want to hear it again? Actually, yeah, I think so, yeah. No matter where, whatever the, whatever bell there is, everyone should ring out. It's yes. not about leaving the European Union. <laughs> Very good. Do you know, uh, I think it is actually about leaving the European Union as well. Yeah. He wasn't actually right about that. Yeah. Because I think that's why they want to ring the bells. Yeah, yeah. It's not just... Yeah. It's not just for any People old wouldn't reason. Be, we wouldn't be speaking about no, it otherwise. exactly. Um, Dan Wharton now, talk yes. radio presenter and from The Sun. Uh, he'll Very be back doing man. Drive this afternoon and he has Meghan Markle's sister... Uh, on the show, so okay. tune in from four. Samantha. Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, when covering Eamon earlier this week, he won the gaff of the week. Can that figure really be right? We'll find out about that after the news. Across the UK, online and on... That was an ad break, not a news break. Yes. And it's just his last minute... Well, it's not his fault, is it? Yeah, well, it is. He should know. Maybe he hadn't been in the studio very long. No, yeah, maybe. Maybe possibly. he didn't have enough time to sit down. Yeah, possibly. An honourable an honourable mention now to Sam Bushnell, who's one of our technical operators, mm. or as we know them more locally, Button Monkeys. That's uh, a bit harsh. Uh, well, that's sort of... Uh, he stood in for our regular tech op yesterday, and you may have noticed that he won Substitute of the Week. That's right. Well done, Prince Harry. You're listening to me and watching me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio, the, the fastest growing radio station in Graham the entire land. Talk Why are you radio. going early? You've gone early. They've gone early. <laughs> I hate it when they go early. We've got the substitute in today. Mr. Gale is having a new bathroom put in, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a kitchen, actually, isn't it? I don't know, is it? It's both. Both? Blimey. Oh, wow. Someone's, someone's doing been, well. Someone's working a lot over Christmas. <laughs> um, and finally, yes. uh, back to the drive show. More importantly, the news bulletin mm. uh, with Ross Powell. Oh, or yes. Our, this is great. Our newest news robot um, <laughs> with a guest appearance from Kate Borsay. They win Bulletin of the Week. <laughs> Talk Radio, half-hour headlines. A 71-year-old man has been arrested in Pakistan in connection with the murder of a police officer in Bradford in 2005. Talk Radio's Anna Russell has more. But one, a man named Kieran Ditton Khan, remained at large. Now, West Yorkshire what Police say arrested yeah. the 71-year-old to the UK. <laughs> the owner of British Airways has complained to the EU about Friday's rescue package. <laughs> That was the edited down version. <laughs> I was listening at home. I was just going, "What are you doing?" After that what prolonged you science, you're like, "Okay, he's going to come back normally." Yeah, now. then it just carries on. <laughs> but then there was more whispering because she worked out that people could hear what she was saying. Very good. Very full marks. Uh, ten out of ten. Yes, that's it for the pair awards. Well they done. will be back next week. Mm. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 